Denise. Uh, question one, how has the current political climate been affecting your emotional well-being? Oh man, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's been so hard. Um, I actually just got a haircut uh, recently. Um, and while I was sitting there in the chair, the news was playing and they started talking about the, uh, our elder Asian American or our Asian American elders getting assaulted and murdered uh, because of uh, how people are reacting to COVID and like blaming it on Asian people. And it was so hard to just sit there and be like, yes, that's happening. <laughs> Um, my barber and I just like looked at the TV like, oh man, um, and uh, his dad is also a barber and he was there with us and he was like, whoa, I didn't know that was happening. And I was like, I knew that was happening. <laughs> um, I don't want my grandma to go outside. <laughs> and it's just, it's so scary. Um, I feel so terrible about uh, the people also, like just in my community in general, it's, it's really hard to work at the same time knowing all of this is happening. Um, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, uh, are you, are you in like a, the area that you live in? Is it like a, um, um, Asian, like dense, like population or? Um, so I'm from Southeast San Diego, which is, uh, it's very, it's, it has a really large Filipino population. <laughs> um, I think growing up my school was uh like completely people of color um i think i only had like one white friend growing up <laughs> um and so there are a lot of uh asian americans here and so i i guess i don't really have to worry about like my grandma maybe walking around in the neighborhood um but it's still scary knowing that's happening um especially since they're happening in places like chinatown which like that's densely populated with Asian Americans. It's the people coming in, um, doing whatever they want, so. Yeah, that's been a big um, issue in New York as well. There was like a demonstration actually, like the other day, um, talking about anti-Asian um, sentiments that are going around. Um, I guess that kind of leads into the next question, which you already kind of answered, but um, have you ever personally experienced discrimination based on your sexual orientation or race? Um, and so how has it affected your day-to-day -day life? Um, luckily, I did grow up here, so, <laughs> um, like, I didn't really, I grew up with people of color, so that was cool, um, and, like, a majority of my jobs, I've worked a lot of minimum wage jobs in San Diego, like, almost all of them had, uh, people of color, like, brown people, black people, um, bunch of Asians, <laughs> And uh, so like that was almost never an issue. There was this one time though <laughs> that I worked for a, um, like a retail place. I'm trying to be vague, <laughs> um, a retail place in like, uh, like a nicer or in a different part of San Diego than I'm usually in. Um, and I was working in the pandemic and my boss is white and she, she asked, or yeah, I think she asked me like uh, what ethnicity I was and I'm Filipino Chinese. So I told her and when she realized I was Chinese, she uh, she she made like the um, the a joke about COVID <laughs> asking me like, 
like how I felt about it or like saying something about like oh like then you like you know what's going on or whatever I forgot what it was exactly but when she said it I was like is that was that racist like <laughs> are, is that okay to say to me right now like specifically after you found out that I was Chinese <laughs> um it was so weird and she's such a nice person otherwise it was so off-putting <laughs> um yeah that was that was interesting <laughs> I don't think she even realized yeah and I don't know I guess how do you how do you handle those situations like you know do you brush it off or do you try to make a point out of it or you know like what do you what do you do I totally brushed it off like <laughs> she was my boss so I was like scared that if I like uh kind of pointed out and started arguing with her she would like fire me <laughs> or something um and I really liked my job um at the time uh so yeah I, I just brushed like, it off I feel like most often those kinds of situations happen when a there's a person in power or b it's just uh there's someone that we usually work with we we get along with them and maybe they just don't know better but also you don't want to ruffle feathers I feel like it's often in work environments where, okay, if I say something, I have to work with this person every day. Mm -hmm. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, that um, leads well into the next, next, uh, next question. Um, you've been involved with fundraisers for the Black Lives Matter and the Philippine, um, Philippines Typhoon Relief. Why did you choose those particular groups and how can people continue to help today? Uh, with BLM, it was like a bunch of different uh, mutual aids, funds, and GoFundMes that I donated to. Um, and I, there were a lot of different fundraisers going on at the time. Um, and I just like, at the time, I like was unemployed and I wanted to do something. Uh, and I couldn't just donate because I had like no money. <laughs> um, so I was like, I'll just raise some money. And I thought I would only be able to raise like a hundred or two hundred dollars. Um, and then it ended up sort of, it kept going for like two months and it uh, totaled up to like five thousand dollars. So I tried to do as much research as I could. Um, and there were a bunch of like master lists for the uh, different um, funds that you could donate to. And I sort of picked and choose some of the more uh the ones that I've like seen other people donate to as well um and uh for the Philippines typhoon relief um obviously I, I heard about the typhoon <laughs> um and my I have some family in the Philippines that uh was affected directly um more so in the provinces uh most of my family in like the city were mostly okay um, and so I, I just wanted to donate to them too because that's my um, home country. And um, it's it's a little bit harder to find like reputable um, funds to donate to for the Philippines. Cause I know there were a lot of, even my parents were like warning, like don't just donate to whoever cause they're gonna scam you. Like even when I go to the Philippines, I have to be very careful. <laughs> and I used to go like every year um, and so I found one that like was posting transparency reports and that's why I chose that one specifically. Um, and uh, well, touching back on the BLM work that you did with the fundraiser, can you speak more to like what like what you did um, 
like what kind of work you did for that because like that's something that when you reached out to us and we looked through your portfolio we we're like oh my god this is amazing um so could you just like speak a little bit more to that mm -hmm. so um generally when i open commissions i like to do those portraits because they don't they don't take me very long um they take like five to ten minutes for me um and so i opened up uh like a i think it was a ten dollar minimum uh like black and white portrait um that people could get and it was um i opened it up so that people could donate more um and there were a lot of people that did there were a lot of people that uh like took it upon themselves to donate like a hundred dollars um and that was like really nice um and uh i think i totaled up to 240 portraits um for the blm fundraisers and it was a lot of work <laughs> i was at my desk like 12 hours a day <laughs> I'm sure during COVID too, though, you know, you mentioned, oh, well, I don't have anything else to do. I'm sure it felt nice to donate your time to, to a good cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. What do you think the influence of people of color in illustrations and comics has on children? And did you have any experience with this growing up? It's so important. <laughs> um, like, I wish, I really, really wish I had any sort of like, Filipino representation in American media. Um, I did grow up watching like TFC, which stands for the Filipino channel, which is like a channel from the Philippines. Um, but like as an Asian American, it's a very different experience. I'm not really like uh, my parents at all. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's different. Um, and um, I think like, even now, there isn't very much Filipino representation. Um, there were two artists that I really liked um, growing up uh, that I found out about when I was in high school because they also went to my high school um, and grew, grew up in Paradise Hills. And um, they went to the college that I wanted to go to and also ended up both at Pixar and they work on at Pixar now. Um, and one of them made a short a couple, I feel like it was last year or something, it was recent, um, called Float, and it was about, like, a Filipino dad and his son, and that was, like, huge, that was so important to, for me and for a lot of people, and it was so nice to see, um, the, like, even, like, I watched Space Sweepers recently, um, and they had, like, a bunch of different, uh, people globally, and, um, I just heard someone, like, off handedly um, uh, say something in Tagalog. Um, and I was like, wow! <laughs> and it was so exciting, like it's so important. Like we never get to see that. Um, so like seeing all the um, like children's books and like new children's media um, with like more representation, it's, I'm so happy for the kids that are gonna be able to grow up with that. And I wish we had more. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting you brought up the Filipino channel because we also, how many people know about the Spanish channel or even oh, yeah. where they explicitly state like black entertainment for, for a whole channel because the mainstream doesn't cater to anyone else really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why like representation is like so important. Like it's crazy that it's not more relevant in the 21st century. And it's something that is it something that you kind of want to like work into your art as well? 
Yeah, I feel like um, like some of my art has bits and pieces. A lot of my illustrations are just like illustrations. <laughs> um, but I do draw a lot of uh, like people of color, especially like Asian Asian uh, people, because that's just like what I'm looking at in the mirror. Um, and some of my comics have like touched on uh, the Asian American experience, like my four panel comics that I've posted online um, and like parental relationships. Uh, that's so complicated. <laughs> um, and, uh, whoa, I lost my thought. <laughs> whoa, what was it? What was the question again? <laughs> no, just like how you went over representation into your art. And then also like has being a Filipino Chinese American influenced your art and how so? Um, I think it's influenced it in like the sort of stories that I tell with my comics and like the sort of stories I'm wanting to tell in animation, hopefully. Um, but otherwise, I feel like most of my illustrations are just drawings that I enjoy um, and not really like influenced by the, my culture specifically. Um, so it would just be mostly my stories and my writing. Um, oh, I just remembered, uh, there's this episode um, that recently came out for Big City Greens, the show that I work on, um, called Rent Control. And I that was when I watched that episode uh, before it came out. Um, that's when I realized that Gloria, one of our characters, was Asian. <laughs> um, I couldn't really tell because like they all like are different colors. Um, <laughs> uh, but she's Asian and her parents come in and like talk to, to talk about her and her life and sort of expectations that they have on her and I was like whoa that episode it was so good and like it was really cool that the show like um got to touch on that um because it is like kind of about like a white family from the countryside um so that was like a really awesome episode and I'm really happy that they got to do that and Keanu who's like half Japanese uh got to work on that episode a little bit to help the other storyboard artists I think, um, and I really hope that I can contribute in like a similar way at some point. <laughs> Definitely, um, and mentioning the parents too, like I'm curious, uh, like leading to the next question kind of, um, but like I'm curious like what, how your parents reacted when you said you wanted to pursue a career in illustration um, and also like when you realized you wanted to do this. Oh man. <laughs> so my mom works for like engineering <laughs> and she wanted me to go to UCSD for engineering. And I also thought I wanted that for a long time. Um, and it was like senior year when I was like, oh, I have to apply for college now. Um, I have to think about my future. And like a friend of mine that, uh, I knew online uh, from like Tumblr, she was like, yo, there's this place called CalArts that, <laughs> that like teaches art and animation in California. And I was like, interesting. And then I saw like the students that went to CalArts and they were all so good. And I really admire their work. And I was like, I wanna be there because of all these talented individuals that I wanna be inspired by. Um, and so I, that's, I chose CalArts specifically for animation um, and my mom 
did not, she was not happy. She was not happy at all. Um, uh, I think she was crying like <laughs> when I was applying and like signing for the loans, which is also like terrible. We, we don't have the money to go to a special art school that costs $50,000 a year. I signed a 50K loan for a 12.5 interest rate when I was 18. <laughs> um, all of that is so bad. <laughs> uh, very little support. I mean, she let me go. So I guess she did support me in the end, but she was like not happy about it. And when I dropped out because uh, it's, it's way too expensive, I couldn't, I couldn't handle $200,000 of debt at a 12.5 interest rate. Um, when I came back, she was like, so you're gonna go to engineering now? <laughs> and I was like, no, please, <laughs> please, no. Let me just try like something else or like, let me try to go to like a, a, a cheaper, like specialized class. Um, Cause there's a lot of classes that you can take um, for like art or specifically animation. I wanted to take the class at uh, Concept De Design Academy in Pasadena for like um, storyboarding specifically, because that's what I figured out that I wanted to do when I was in college. Um, that my classmates, when a lot of people drop out of CalArts, when they dropped out, they took um, those CDA classes and I just like didn't have the money for like three years to take it. Um, and then I finally did um, and it all worked out in the end, but it wasn't until I got my job <laughs> that my mom was like, good job, Anak. <laughs> um, so you mentioned your struggles, especially with dropping out of college, maybe not feeling like enough at the time that it happened. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give to other people that had to drop out of college for their career decisions? And also how did that influence yours? Um, I mainly dropped out of college because of the money. Um, it's really hard to take on debt. Uh, and it was, it really stuck with me for the three, four years that I was not employed in animation. <laughs> um, and so before even signing up, I would really sit down with yourself and figure out if you are willing to take on that debt and the consequences that will happen afterwards. Um, and if you drop out, that's fine. That's perfectly, that's great. <laughs> you don't need a degree to work in art. <laughs> um, and animation doesn't require that either. Um, they just want you to be good at what you do. And there's a lot of different options out there like Schoolism, uh, Concept Design Academy, Brainstorm. There's so many different resources and there are mentorships that people are offering for free. Um, just to, like do your research, figure out what exactly you wanna do and really practice your work so that your portfolio gets better. Yeah, and I'd like to speak to that too about um, like not needing the degree, like if you, if you have the skills because I went to school for teaching. I, I wanted to be an art teacher and I had it like you know, this is what I want to do. And I'm so set in this, like, I know this is what I want to do. And I did my undergrad and graduate degree in art education. And then I became a high school art teacher. And I loved my students. I loved the teaching part of it. But there was like so much else attached to it. And I didn't have a like, I didn't have a personal life. And it was very like, mentally draining. And I didn't, you know, I, you don't realize until you're actually in it, 
that you're like, oh shit, like I don't, you know, this is, this is like taking a lot more of my life than I thought it would. Um, mm -hmm. It was still definitely rewarding, but you know, then I had to make, after three years of teaching, I was like, I had to make that decision of, I just spent how much money and, you know, for six years of college, do I make the, do I make the, the switch? You know, do I try to find something else? And now I'm a, now I'm a graphic and web designer, but like to get that courage to switch, you know, knowing that like, I, I still am going to have this debt attached, you know, even if I switch. Um, but, you know, luckily like my, the, the, per, um, the company that hired me as a web and graphic designer, uh, like I had the skills, I just didn't have the degree in that specific. Didn't like, you teach yourself a little bit too? So I, yeah, like I taught myself, you know, YouTube's a great resource. Google, mm -hmm. just like, you know, honestly, just find, find a resource online, which I did. And my boss was like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not so interested in like, if you have the degree, but like, do you know your stuff? So like, that was some, you know, that resonated like with what you said, like, if you know your mm -hmm. stuff, like it'll, it'll be, you know, it'll be okay. <laughs> Congrats on the switch. <laughs> um, I actually have a friend uh, who, like after the CDA classes, we sort of formed this study group um, that we call Story Squad. Squad stands for something. I can't remember what it stands for exactly, but it's, it's, it's an, uh, I think an acronym is what they call it. Um, but he worked in HR for like eight years, um, but he had always drawn and he like he wanted to do like a career change, um, but he doesn't have like, like he's not gonna go to college again, like for art and stuff. Um, so he started taking those CDA classes that are like $700,000 for one class for like 10 weeks. Um, and he took one storyboard class, pandemic happened. We did, we committed to the study group and he's like insanely good now. He's like crazy. And he's also one of the most motivated people I know, but he's gonna make that career switch really soon. Um, and so it's possible at any point in your life, <laughs> 100%. But now that, you know, you are an illustrator and you do work for Disney, um, you know, you kind of, you made it, like, what has your experience been like working for Disney PVA and do you have any tips for those considering the same career? Oh man, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> um, so my job specifically is actually uh, called storyboarding and I like, will board out an episode um, either based on an outline or a script. Um, and oh, there's just so much to it. <laughs> um, storyboarding is really hard. Uh, there's a lot of like hats that we have to wear, uh, like knowing composition, acting, um, uh, all the film rules, knowing how to do perspective, backgrounds. I'm so bad at backgrounds. I always get notes on my backgrounds. Um, but I've gotten better <laughs> and like keeping track of like 10 people and also writing at the same time. Writing is a really heavy thing on big city greens. Um, we're very like the showrunners are very like specific about the writing and stuff. It's like really important for the show specifically. Um, and so like I'll sit in there in meetings for like two hours getting notes <laughs> and I just have to be ready for it. Um, and it's sort of, it's, it's awesome that I got to start my career, but it's starting it in the pandemic was really hard. Um, normally you like get to go in and like sort of learn things in person and like turn around to your coworker. I have like a board partner that I work on the episodes with. Um, and, you know, I don't get to collaborate really as much. And I think the, the team was still figuring out like, 
how to efficiently work on the show during the pandemic. And so I was sort of struggling to figure everything out sort of by myself for the first four months. Um, I had to reach out to my coworkers. Um, and if I didn't reach out to them, I wouldn't have even spoken to my coworkers. Um, and there's so much to learn. I really like struggled with my first two episodes. Um, and it was scary knowing that like my work is going to like be an episode and it has to be good or like this episode is not going to be great. Um, but also that's not entirely true because the directors also work on it afterwards. So if I if I messed up, they will fix it. Um, uh, there's a lot of pressure and I have to learn and I have to study every day for it. And it's there. I have this much energy compared to normal life <laughs> pre-pandemic. Um, and I'm not seeing people and I'm not uh, like getting the inspiration you normally would when you uh, are living your life and stuff. Um, so and writing is a little bit hard too, but I'm, I'm trying to really milk uh, my brain. Um, but it's also been really cool because um, I'm learning from a lot of incredibly talented artists, people that I've been looking up to for a long time. Um, some of them are like prodigies, I swear. <laughs> They're crazy, their brains are so big. <laughs> and like, it's, it's, I feel like I'm soaking it up a little bit, but in the office, I'm like excited to go to the office because I'll be soaking up even more. Um, and it's, it's also humbling every time I see someone pitch because their work is so good and I'm trying to catch up to them. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, I have gotten a chance to see one of my episodes come back. Uh, do you guys want to know about how the production works exactly? Um, so usually I think we get like five to seven weeks for our episodes. Our Big City Greens episodes are like 10 and a half minutes, and it's like two episodes in one that usually air on TV, kind of like Adventure Time. Um, and it usually takes around five weeks. I think it's been like a seven week uh, period since COVID started to give us a little bit more time. Um, and that first week I get, I have to do roughs for half of the episode. Um, and then second week I do roughs for the second half. And then they give us notes um, for for both roughs uh, every week. And then uh, the third week, it's I'm addressing all of the notes, and then I have to pitch the full episode rough with my partner. Um, I also pitch the roughs for the previous weeks. Um, and then after the pinup pitch, we sort of start cleaning for like two three weeks. Um, but we still get notes at the pinup pitch, so I have to address those notes as well <laughs> while I'm cleaning. And sometimes it's a lot. <laughs> um, sometimes I take like the first week to just address the notes, um, and then I start cleaning like uh, all eight hours a day. <laughs> um, and then there's like a check-in in the middle to see how we're doing with like proportions and technical stuff, and like the production team will like or yeah, the, the directors and someone from production will sort of draw over to see if things are okay for production overseas, because um, we ship our animation overseas. Um, and 
then after we clean, I send it to my director and start the new episode. And then one week into the new episode is when the director will give me back the cleans that he looked over. And then I pitch it to the execs and the whole team, which is terrifying. <laughs> um, I'm pitching like every week and it's always so scary. I think I've pitched like more times than I can count with my hands and I still like almost throw up every time. <laughs> um, but that's that's the production schedule. And so I'm in my fourth episode now. Um, and I've gotten the chance to see my first episode in an animatic form with like someone time like the editors timed it, the director fixed it up, made it fit in the 10 and a half minutes <laughs> um, and like made it better. Um, and then played it to us um, with some of the voice acting already. Um, and it it's so cool seeing it. Like that's like when it finally like paid off, I think. <laughs> Cause like every week it's like, here's notes, more notes, more work. <laughs> And then the animate or the animatic comes back and it's like, wow, that's my episode. <laughs> and it's so cool. Like uh, uh, Danny Trejo is one of uh, the voice actors for one of our characters. And he's like one of the main characters in my episode. And when that came back with his voice, I was like, oh my God, he's saying the lines that I wrote. That's so cool. I can die now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's an amazing experience. <laughs> and the, the team is very, very nice and very kind. Um, I've heard that uh, the Big City Greens team is like famous for being uh, so friendly and they really are, they're like so kind. Um, all the artists are very close knit. Uh, I assume in the office, I think they like hang out a lot. Um, and the, the showrunners have like really like after they finally like settled in the production schedule and stuff, um, they really like reached out to help me and make sure I was okay. Um, and they like, they sort of realized, oh, Bernice needs help. Like, <laughs> um, and then they started like, we started doing these like discussions about like talking about writing and like how to specifically board for the show and like just talking about comedy and um cartoons and stuff and it's it's nice <laughs> it's really cool um to get that help too because um it's good to know what they want from me <laughs> yeah so it's been it's been good I think just really 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 hard um obviously work has seemed to be a big influence on you and your day-to-day -day experience um outside of work though and I know you've worked on these past fundraisers Outside of those, do you have other outlets for your creativity? Um, I actually do run like a little online store. Um, uh, just making like random stationary stuff um, and like stickers, notepads and stuff, that sort of stuff. Uh, it's just fun for me. At, at some point in my life, I was like, I want to make like a stationary brand. And someone was like, just do it. And I was like, okay. And then I started with stickers and then started uh, trying more stuff. Um, and like, I don't think I can do a whole stationary brand, especially with my job now, but it's so fun to make stuff <laughs> and like see it come back and like hold the real thing. 
um, and then also share it with people. Like it makes me so happy that other people are interested in the stuff that I make and they will support and like make these orders. And like I've had uh, some friends from like Australia be like, can you ship to Australia um, so that I can have your notepad? And I'll be like, okay, are you okay with the $20 shipping? Is that fine? <laughs> and they'll be like, yes. <laughs> and that's so nice. Um, it's, it's so, it's so, uh, it's, it's very nice. <laughs> there was another word I was going to say, it disappeared from my head. Um, and, and like I recently made, do you want to see? <laughs> I made some tape recently um, that I'm very proud of. This is like my most recent um, thing that I made and like washi tape. It's, it's just like a little, this is a sticker it came, came in and it like looks like that. And it's got like my son on it <laughs> and stuff and strawberries and dumplings. <laughs> I guess that's another way that like my Asian American being Asian has influenced my art. I like to draw dumplings. <laughs> um, and it also matches some of the notepads I've made. So it's just so fun. I also use that stuff myself. I think I made it for myself. <laughs> and then other people can have it too. Um, and I also do a lot of comics, um, like four panel comics that sort of, like I feel like it helps jog my brain for like storyboarding because um, it's like sequential art um, and storytelling and stuff. And it's, I don't think about it so much. Like I don't plan my comics, um, they're just fun to, to do. And it like makes me happy to do them. Oh, that's awesome. Um, it's like a great way to just like get creative and love your passion is like first and foremost, do it for yourself and then get this like international brand all the way to like Australia. It's just like, yeah, that's the way to do it. I think that's like so inspiring. Like. First and Thank foremost, you. it should be for you, but then you can share with other people too. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I actually, <laughs> I made this uh, mouse pad for myself. <laughs> it's a little sun and it's squishy. <laughs> um, also matches the tape because everything I do is the same thing. Um, <laughs> but I made that for myself, but I had, it, it was like, you had to make 20. So I made 25 and uh, so other people can have it too, but like that was for me. <laughs> Also, do you want to put a plug-in for your store? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's actually just my name.com. So uh, B-E-R-N-I-C-E-S-I-O-S-O-N.com. <laughs> yeah, well, no, your, your products, like you were, you know, you're, you're mentioning several people and you're like, they're prodigies and blah, blah, blah. But like, I feel like there's something so special about people like you and like what you do and those little, those little product, products that bring you joy and also others and like we i, I i'm your market she's your like <laughs> like the you, dumpling lovers the, of the world. <laughs> yeah like i love those little things where you're like oh my god the attention to detail like those little things that just like that's what brings me joy like little you know th those little things so like you're doing it and you're making it for yourself but like i feel like you're winning if what you're making for yourself is also bringing joy to others and so just so kudos because that's yeah you're you're killing it um and i can't also wait i'm, I'm hoping <laughs> no and, and also i'm definitely going to be like purchasing something after this so um yeah you're you're the coolest uh so last um last 
question, official question. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with the world about you, your story, or your experiences? I guess like a big thing is a lot of a lot of for a long time I was looking at the uh what's the what's the term outside looking into the industry and stuff. Um, and it felt impossible to sort of get a job. And it is really hard. It's really competitive. And you're competing with people who are already in the industry because it's gig-based. And so everyone, like, once your job ends, you're, you have to find a new job. Um, and it's scary. Um, but it's you really have to just sit there and commit to working on the specific skills that you that are needed for the specific job that you want in the production line um and that's something I had to like really realize at some point um because I feel like I was doing everything that I could in terms of like art uh to find it like any creative job because I was desperate um and it wasn't until I like sat down and took this class and like committed my entire time um entire life to um boarding during the pandemic with this story group that uh that I finally like broke into the industry um cabining and stuff it's it's really important um and yeah to just make things that you enjoy <laughs>